Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by Native, a clean deodorant that smells great and simply works. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code BRAIN during checkout. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, welcome to the show. Today I'm going to talk about uh, an exercise that I presented on a couple episodes on, uh, what is it, figuring out why you're unhappy. And one of the exercises I called the mind map, and I know it's not original, but it's using a mind map to help you figure out what associations in your life are making you unhappy. And what I mean by that is you put your name on a piece of paper and maybe you could put a circle around it and then you draw a line to another circle and that circle represents something in your life that has an emotional attachment of some sort could be positive, could be negative, doesn't matter. Uh, But most of these circles are going to be people. Some of them are going to be places. Some of them are going to be jobs. Some of them, you know, there'll be various things. So you have your name in the middle and then you have a line to like your mom and then you have a line to your dad and then you have a line to any siblings and you have a line to your job and your job uh, has a boss and your job has coworkers, you know, if, if those exist. And you keep drawing these lines all emanating from you. And the point of the mind map exercise, figuring out why you're unhappy, if you're unhappy, is to erase one line and notice the disconnect and notice how it feels to not have that person, place, or thing in your life anymore. How does it feel? And so this is an interesting exercise and people have commented on it. People have written about it online and um, they said it's very helpful. But I did have somebody write in and say, you know what? When I did this exercise, there were certain people in my life that when I erased the line or I just thought about having that line gone and that person not in my life anymore, um, I was happier. But when I came back to the real world, I was even more unhappy because that person still existed. And so the person who wrote to me was asking me, okay, I I feel stuck because I'm normally a happy person, but things that are out of my control make me feel stuck. I can't break these connections in real life. But when I meditate and figure out what makes me happy, those are the connections that I can't break in my life. And this person asked, what would you advise me to do in this situation? And so I thought about it for a moment and I realized, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how this is supposed to work. You're supposed to come back to real life and see all of these connections that you have in your life 
and make some choices. What does that mean? Does that mean you have to disconnect from these people? No. Does it mean you have to quit that job? No. It doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean you have to break these lines for real. But what it does is it starts the gears turning in your head. It starts the ball rolling on perhaps a next step for you. Now, let me give you an example of this. Let's just say that um, I'm doing this exercise, I don't know, 20 years ago. And I'm, I put my stepfather on this map. So I have this line coming from me in the center to my stepfather. Uh, I'd probably put his name in there in a circle up and to the right, whatever. And I imagine or I erase that line and suddenly my stepfather isn't associated or related to me anymore or connected to me anymore. Uh, he doesn't even exist. How does that make me feel? And I feel good. It feels good to not have him in my life. There's also a little bit of sadness there, which is unusual, but I'm thinking about it now. I'm actually doing this in real time. I feel a little sadness come up as if perhaps if he died, how would I feel? And so even though there was trauma and abuse in the past, no, not heavy abuse with me, but with other people, but I had some issues, uh, there's still a sadness because I've known him all my life. There's an attachment there. Uh, even though I really don't want anything to do with him now, but okay, so he's gone, but my life is better without him in it. And so uh, I come back to now and the real life, and I know he still exists. I know he's still alive as of this recording, and I know that I, I might see him again. So that, you know, using this example, that might make me unhappy. Like, ah, oh, I'm going to see him again. But the idea is to figure out what about this connection makes you unhappy? And you think about this. What about being connected to this person, for example, makes me unhappy? And so an answer might come up for you. When, when I think about it, what about that makes me unhappy? Well, this is 20 years ago before I knew more about him. So 20 years ago, I have a different perception of him. And my perception back then was, oh, he's just a, a mean drunk. He's just um, embarrassing to be around. Uh, so 20 years ago, I would say, well, what about him makes me unhappy? Well, he's drunk all the time. I don't like hanging around him because he's drunk. I'm embarrassed to be around him because he's drunk or when he's drunk. And when I think about those times, uh, it gives me a repelling feeling like I want to be away from this person. So what about this makes me unhappy is that his alcoholism makes me unhappy. His behavior while he's uh, drinking makes me unhappy. And so that answers the what about question, but maybe I need to be more specific. And I might ask myself that question. What specifically do you not like? Or what specifically makes you unhappy? Or what specifically does he do that makes you unhappy? And so I will have more answers for that. Just like you, if you're doing this, will have more answers for that. And this is what I'm going to tell the person who wrote the letter. This is where you need to go when you come back to the real, real world. After you do this exercise and you figure out what uh, the people that make you unhappy, the people, the places, the things. And then you ask yourself, well, what about that person, that place, that thing makes me unhappy? Because what's going to happen? And I didn't read you this part, but she said, you know, I have a good connection with my siblings, even though it makes me happier when they're not in the picture. 
but my siblings have kids and I get along with the kids. And there are different components of these connections that make me happy. So that's good to know. There are different components that make me happy. And hopefully those components are on your, are on your mind map as well. So when you come back to the real world, these are the things you need to start distinguishing. I come back and I see my stepfather and the alcoholism. And I think, okay, I don't want to be around his alcoholism. And so I might ask myself, okay, if he didn't drink, would you be okay hanging around him? And my answer, again, my 20 years ago self, might say, well, yes, it would be great to be around him. I wouldn't have a problem at all because he's got a heart of gold when he's not drinking. And so that really helps me determine what I need to distinguish when I'm in the real world. What do you need to distinguish about the person, about the behavior, about the job, about the thing, about the place that really helps you define what makes you happy, what makes you unhappy, what makes you sad, what makes you angry. These are distinguishing components or details that will help you determine specifically what you might need to avoid or stay away from or move toward. Because when I use my stepfather as in this example, I would say, okay, when he's not drinking, I can hang around him. When he is drinking, I can leave. It's really a personal boundaries issue because what I'm saying is my boundary will allow him sober into my life, but my boundary will disallow him inebriated into my life. And so for you, when you think about your siblings or the associations in your life, which components are positive for you and which are negative. And when you figure that out, what ends up happening is that you learn to distinguish and you learn what your boundaries are. And then you know what to enforce. You know what to value. You know what to move toward and you know what to move away from. You know what to avoid and you know what to expose yourself to more of. And it helps. Now, it's hard. I mean, not all of this is going to be easy. Uh, Some of it is going to be very difficult because a person is usually the totality of themselves. So my stepfather may not drink all the time, but 90% of the time I've known him, he's been drunk. So how do I get that 10%? It might not be possible. It might not be possible to get the 10% that you want if it's 10% for you. But let's just say it's 40%. 40% of the time when my sibling does this, my sister, my brother, my mom, my dad, when they're this way, I'm good with it. I'm okay with it. Or it might even be, I can tolerate that. I'm okay with it. And hopefully you don't only see people that you can tolerate. (laughs) Hopefully you have a better relationship than just a toleration point. But maybe the toleration point helps you connect with their kids if you want to see their kids or other people in life that you are both associated with. Maybe that's the case. The point is you have to determine what you will allow into your life and what you won't. And again, this is about personal boundaries. It's also about um, values. If you value peace and quiet 
And the person that you don't want to be around 50% of the time is loud, obnoxious, and you don't like cursing and they curse and you don't like smoking and they smoke. And if there are a bunch of things that you don't like 50% of the time and you don't want to experience that part, but you want to experience the other part, then you have to be very clear in yourself what you'll expose yourself to. Because I know what you're thinking now. Yeah, but that 50% isn't all in one chunk. That 50% is 1% here, 1% there, 1% there throughout the day or throughout every day. And you can't tell when you're going to see the good part versus the bad part. You can't distinguish when you can really spend time with them or not. Because they may be uh, positive in this percentage, but 1.5% hours later or whatever, they are negative and I don't like to be around them. And so again, this comes back to you determining what you will and won't accept in your life. And yes, that may involve you saying, you know what, 50% of the time they're like this, but that 50% is broken out throughout the day. And that means that the majority of my day, uh, five minutes here, five minutes there, five minutes there, I'm thinking about them being a way that I don't want them to be. And I don't want to be around. And so am I willing to expose myself to this behavior or this toxic environment or this personality for the majority of the time, which is basically you thinking about it most of the time, waiting for bad behavior or bad whatever to happen, are you willing to tolerate that long enough to get the benefits? And this helps you come to a place of either acceptance or not. And so this is hard. This is the hardest part is going, you know what? I'll use my stepfather as an example. Um, Am I willing to accept that he is going to be inebriated 90% of the time in order to get that 10% that I really enjoy being around? And my answer would be like, well, I would be thinking about it almost always. And every time he went near the fridge to get the orange juice, I would realize that he is about to get the vodka too. And then I would have these feelings and then I would probably ruin the moment because I would say something like, oh, do you have to drink? You know, I'm making this up a little bit, but that's what happens with us is that we get upset when people do things that we don't want them to do. And then we blame them for doing something that we know they're going to do. So we now have to deal with our own stuff and put it on them as well. So he may not be able to stop drinking and I may have to get over the fact that I will never be able to experience that 10% in the peace and love and kindness that I want to experience because I'll have other things on my mind. I'll have that fear that he's going to start drinking again on my mind. And so this is important for you to determine in your own life what you will and won't accept for behavior from someone else. If we're talking solely about people, what behavior will I accept from someone else? Is it tolerable and is it worth accepting that behavior so I can get to the good stuff? And I think you need to be pretty clear in your mind so that you don't come off as resentful angry or another negative emotion so that you don't push your intoleration onto someone else. Cause that's what really it comes down to is that we might have people in our life that do bad behavior or act in a bad way or a toxic way or in an unhealthy way. 
and we want them to change so we can either choose to not say anything about it and let them be who they are or be resentful and angry and say things and bring this stuff up, which is really our own stuff because we're choosing not to tolerate it and we're choosing not to accept it. And when you put yourself in the position of not being able to accept someone's behavior and you choose to be around that person who does that behavior, that's really on you. That's really you saying, I don't like this behavior yet. I'm going to tolerate it and I'm going to stick around And even though I know you're going to do the behavior, I'm going to complain about it and I'm going to wish and hope that you stop that behavior. And I'm praying that you eventually see that you're hurting me with that behavior. And when they don't, you again, get resentful. And that's sort of unfair to the person doing the bad behavior, even though it's strange to say that it, it's a little unfair to the person doing the bad behavior when you know they're going to do the bad behavior. If you know for sure they're going to do bad behavior, or at least behavior that you don't like, let's call it that. When you know that and you choose to hang around them anyway, you don't have a leg to stand on because you know they do bad behavior. It would be great if they figured it out. It would be great if they realized they were hurting others. It would be great if they knew they were a jerk. But you know They do behavior that you don't like and you still choose to hang around them, which means, guess what? You have to become more accepting. You have to reach a level of acceptance where you can say to yourself, you know what? I know who they are. I know how they behave and I'm willing to tolerate their behavior and not say a word about it because I'm not here to change them. I want them to change, but I'm not here to change them. I'm here to benefit from the rest of the time that they're not that way. So again, this is tough. This is where you come to a place inside yourself where you say, I'm going to accept this because the rest of the time, this percentage of time, or these people that we're associated with are important to me and I want them in my life. So I'm going to tolerate that bad behavior. And what does that mean? That means when they come in the room and they start talking politics and you hate talking about politics, or at least you're on one side and they're on the other and they bring it up all the time and you can't stand when they bring it up. That means you have to accept that they're going to bring it up and they're going to oppose you and they're going to have all these opinions. And what are you going to do? You have to think about this. You're going to have to come up with a solution for yourself. So when you are confronted with the behavior, you can be okay with it. And, you know, just a quick example, politics is a great one. Somebody comes in and says, well, you know, I'm against abortion and you're maybe not, or maybe you are and you can agree, but let's just say you disagree with something that they said. How are you going to respond to it? Are you going to respond, well, you shouldn't be because of this, or you should be because of that. Or are you going to say, you know what? I can understand why you say that. And I'm open-minded to that. And maybe you're right. I'm not saying that's the best response, but I tell you what, it causes less stress and less strife. It causes less tension. You may not like that. You may not want to lie. You may want to hold your ground and stand by your convictions, stand by your values and let them know your opinion too. But what does that bring you? Does that bring you more tension? Does that bring you more stress? So yes, I I am sort of um, 
promoting some lying. <laughs> I'm promoting some uh, keeping the peace here. I'm promoting a way to communicate with someone that allows you to get the benefits, but not the detriments. In other words, using my stepfather for the example, uh, let's just say that I like his behavior 10% of the time, but when he starts drinking, I don't like his behavior anymore. What would happen if I decided to accept his drunkenness? What would happen if I decided to accept that he will be an embarrassment? This causes me to face my own stuff. This causes me to go inside and ask myself, okay, let's just say you're at a restaurant and he's embarrassing you and he's trying to pick up the waitress or something and you don't know what to say. What would happen if you weren't embarrassed by that? What would happen if you just accepted that just like uh, somebody who couldn't control their behavior, maybe and nothing against the mentally challenged, but let's just say he was mentally challenged and not an alcoholic. What if he couldn't control his behavior? What if he did things that might not seem socially acceptable or maybe completely inappropriate, but he couldn't help it? And some people might say, well, he's drunk. He may not be able to help it. And then somebody else might say, yeah, but he chose to drink so he can help it. And so there's an argument there as well. But let's just say that I know or at least accepted that he would not be able to control himself while we're out and he will be embarrassing. I need to be okay with being embarrassed. Whoa, there's a deep level of acceptance. I need to be okay being embarrassed. I don't know if I can do that. Well, if that were true, if I didn't know I could handle that, if I didn't believe that I'd be okay with it, then I shouldn't be out with him. Because if I cannot handle the behavior that I don't want, and I end up feeling a certain way about it, and I end up feeling resentful, and I end up being mad at that person, then I shouldn't be around that person. So this applies to anyone in your life. Or, you know, even talking about like a job. Like there are certain aspects of this job that I hate. And so you ask yourself, okay, can I remove those aspects of my job? Can I change those aspects of my job? Because if you can't, and let's just say you need the money or you're willing to accept that those crappy aspects of the job are okay to tolerate because 70% of the time you actually enjoy your job, then you have to get to the point where you accept the results of that characteristic of the job. I'll give you another example. When I was doing service dispatch for an alarm company a long time ago, uh, it was one of the worst jobs ever because I would answer the phone and people's alarms would be going off and they would be screaming at me, get a tech out here now. And I wouldn't have a tech available or I would have to pull a tech from one job. And it was just a nightmare for me and I would have headaches every day. But if I did this exercise and I thought, okay, you know what? Half the job when I'm not on the phone is good. And the other half of the job when I am on the phone, at least with certain customers, I don't like at all. It gives me headaches. So I would have to ask myself, okay, what about that job? What about being on the phone gave me headaches? What was the problem? What was going on there that made me so stressed? And so I might come up with, well, I didn't have enough resources. And I had to give people bad news. And so, okay, I came up with that characteristic of, you know, the job I didn't like. Uh, so I would ask myself the deeper personal question of, can you be okay with 
giving people bad news. That would be a tough one, but it's still a personal challenge. It's still my stuff. It's not the person on the phone. It's not anything outside of me. It's still me dealing with something that I don't like dealing with. So can I be okay if it happens in my life? This is how you apply this to anything in your life. You start asking questions. What about this don't I like? What about this makes me angry? What about this makes me embarrassed? What about this makes me stressed out? And then you ask yourself, well, can I be okay with that happening? You know, the people getting angry at me and telling me if I don't get a tech out there right away, they're going to sue us. Can I be okay with that? Can I be okay saying I will do my best to get a technician out there as soon as possible? Can I be okay that that would be the best answer? Because the next question they're going to ask is, well, when (laughs) can I be okay saying a minimum of two or three hours? What? (laughs) My alarm is going off right now. You need to get out here right now because that's what they would say. Can I be okay with the next thing that I'm going to say? Can I be okay saying, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is, but I promise I'll get it out there. I'll get someone out there as soon as possible. And can I be okay with their response to that? And so this is really tapping in to a lot of our emotional triggers. It's really tapping into our fears, our worries, our concerns. It's tapping into all the stuff that we have a challenge with inside of us. Now, you notice how I keep bringing it back to you. I keep bringing it back to us because this is where acceptance lies. Accepting someone's behavior or aspects of a job or things about the place you live. Can I accept those things, those aspects, those characteristics and be okay with it? Because if the answer is no, you might have to eliminate things in your life. So the person who wrote the letter you might have to eliminate seeing your siblings if you cannot come to a place of acceptance of all the stuff you don't like. That's the hard part, but it's all your stuff. It really is. Unless they come into your house and they break your stuff. Now it's all about you. And this is where you enforce your boundaries. It's about enforcing boundaries. It's about coming to an acceptance. It's about knowing what you value most. And it's about your toleration and what you're willing to do to keep certain people in your life or remove them from your life or to move away from a place you don't like or to get away from a job you don't like. But it's all the same process of learning to accept the way things are and the responses that you get so that you can rise up to a new level inside yourself to be able to be the person that can be resilient through these things. And when you say, okay, you know what? I'll accept 100%. That's their behavior. I'll accept it. Then when they do the behavior, you can't go right back into that. Oh, here they go again. Oh, I'm so upset. I mean, you can go, oh boy, here it comes. (laughs) But to go into that negative space and then to show them visibly or audibly that you're upset about it, that again, isn't about you anymore. You make it about them and your intolerance for their behavior. And When you go around with intolerance, people that do bad behavior, according to your definition, see you as the bad guy. They see you as the jerk. They see you as the problem. And so to the person who wrote this letter, I hope this helps answer the question. This stuff isn't really supposed to be easy because you're facing all your own issues. 
But if you can come to a new understanding of what your issues are, what your triggers are, you might be able to get through some of these uh, people and places and things and reach higher levels of toleration, higher levels of acceptance, and higher levels of compassion. Because if you turn on that compassion, then you're going to see people a lot differently and you're going to be able to understand that everyone's on their own journey. And if they are on a journey of healing, then that's great. If they're not, then can you be okay with it? So that brings it right back to you. It's all about you. (laughs) We'll be right back. I talked about them before native deodorant I love native deodorant because my girlfriend wears it and I love the way she smells coconut and vanilla and not only does it smell good it actually works and I'm gonna have a lot of not only's not only does it work she's tried all other deodorants and has not received the benefit that she's received with this it's one of the first that actually doesn't give her any skin rashes and doesn't affect her in any negative way She loves that it's free and clear of aluminum because, you know, we don't want that in our body. And not only that, they have 7,000 five-star reviews. They've been featured in the Today Show, Women's Health, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, Nylon, and more. And there's something for everyone. You know, my girlfriend likes the coconut vanilla one, but there's also lavender and rose and cucumber and mint and eucalyptus and mint. Some very interesting and enticing scents for both men and women. Plus, they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. And for those of you with sensitivities to baking soda, they have a baking soda-free formula. They cover the gamut, and it's worth it to try because there's no risk. They offer free returns and exchanges in the U.S., and they also have a subscription plan, so as you use it, you can get replacements and save $2 per stick while Native conveniently arrives at your door every one, two, three, or four months. So I've said it before, every time she uses it and then she works out in the garden for hours, she comes back, she doesn't have the same smell she used to have without the native. So it's working, it does its job. And I want you to try this. You get 20% off your first purchase at nativedeodorant.com. And to get the 20% off, you have to use the code word brain during checkout. It's a promo code field that you put in the word brain. My girlfriend loves it, you're gonna love it too. nativedeodorant.com. Use the code word BRAIN during checkout and get 20% off your first purchase. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank today's sponsor, and I want you to thank today's sponsor. Head over to nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code BRAIN during checkout to get 20% off your first order. I also want to thank Zi Cheng, I think I'm saying that right, for their donation. Zi Cheng says, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. What a great way to thank me. I am honored. Thank you for that donation. It's a wonderful way to show your support and your thanks. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Just like with anything free out there, there's always a cost involved in creating. So if you want to show your support and help us keep creating over here, 
go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and choose the support option you want. Uh, you can do a one-time donation like Zicheng or become a monthly patron and get all sorts of goodies in the membership program. That's patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Thank you, existing patron members. I appreciate you. And if you do have those negative associations after doing your pseudo mind map from today's program, perhaps it's time to think about listening to Love and Abuse over at loveandabuse.com. What you'll find there is a show all about handling difficult relationships and toxic people. I just did an episode on what's known as the smear campaign. That's when someone tarnishes your good name or reputation. And uh, what do you do about that? What if somebody's going around putting signs up of your face saying, this is a bad person. This person is trying to take away my kids. That actually happened with my girlfriend's ex, (laughs) but I won't get into details. Uh, And you're being painted as this awful, toxic person when it's an awful, toxic person doing this to you. It's called the smear campaign. And I talk about that in the latest episode of Love and Abuse, or at least of this recording on October 13th, 2019. You can check it out at loveandabuse.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. So we did talk about that pseudo-mind mapping thing today about uh, figuring out why you're unhappy or at least the moments that you're unhappy, what is causing that problem, and by disconnecting the lines or erasing them, uh, how does that feel when that person, place, or thing is out of your life? And then we talked about how, okay, we come back to real life, but that person, place, or thing is still there and we really can't do anything about it. So what can we do about it? And uh, we got into that as well. But um, there's one aspect of that I want you to keep in mind is that you sometimes have to see the benefit of having something negative to gain something positive. It's a shift in perspective. It's like sharing kids with an ex that you never want to see. I know there are plenty of people out there doing this right now. You never want to see that ex, but you want to see your kids, but you have to share custody. So you have to go back and forth and that's kind of the way it is. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's all legal and all this other stuff. But when you look at it in the way of saying, you know what, without ever meeting that person, I would never have these kids. And so that can be a positive way, a positive perceptual shift, if you want to call it that, uh, where you see something negative in your life as leading to something positive. And so when we can start to focus a little differently and start to change our perception, it can be helpful. It's not easy. It's not like it's going to change everything, but it can be helpful knowing that, hey, at least I can have this prize even though I have to trudge through the mud to get to it. Probably not the best metaphor, but you know what I mean. If you look at the circumstances in your life as a lot of things are negative, but I have these positive aspects of it that are the end result, then maybe it can change your focus enough so that you're not so focused on all the negative. Again, hard to do. Negative usually overpowers the positive, but uh, it's one little step in a direction that can be more helpful than not. And remember this, always measure things by the time that you have to do them. Because some of the things in our life, we only have to spend either a few minutes or a few hours or even a few days, but then it's over. 
So not everything in life is like this. If you have a job that you hate for 8 to 10 to 12 hours a day, that's not exactly the best suggestion to, you know, measuring time in that circumstance. But what about this last example? You're sharing kids with your ex and you have to see your ex for 15 minutes when they pick them up. And then you have to see your ex for 15 minutes when they drop them off. Uh, But that's really only a half hour a day or a week or whatever. And our mind often sits in the misery of expectation and anticipation waiting for that 15 minutes. And I like to say, you know what, I'm going to give my mind a break and my heart and my soul and my psyche uh, so that I don't have to sit thinking about something I don't want and instead be more present with the stuff that I do want. With kids, it's like, I want to be more present with my kids. I don't want to think about, oh, this person's going to pick them up and we're going to argue and I have to deal with it. I don't want to think about that. I'm going to reserve that for the 15 minutes that we're going to be together. And if I reserve that for that 15 minutes, I give myself permission to feel misery later. (laughs) I give myself permission to feel bad at the time I want to feel bad. Not that you want to feel bad, but you give yourself permission to feel that, feel the anger, feel the whatever in the time that you specify, uh, even though you may not have control over the time either, but at least you know it's finite. So this can work for many things in life. I have to deal with this negative aspect of life just to get to this positive aspect of life. This may not work in a toxic relationship. Like I'm in this relationship every day. I'm around this person every day. What do I do about it? Well, this is where you start making different decisions for your life. This is where you start enforcing your boundaries. And, you know, this is a whole nother show, but seeing what happens. This is the hard part. Like when I was in my uh, marriage, I was a big people pleaser and I never wanted to upset my wife. I never said anything that uh, would sound upsetting, at least to me, when I think about what she might think about what I say, because I was adapting. I was the chameleon. I wanted to make sure that she was happy all the time until she finally said, you know what? Just tell me what's on your mind. Tell me the truth. Stop acting like this little boy around me. It's disgusting. She didn't use those words, but I'm thinking about that now. And I'm thinking, yeah, it probably was disgusting. She didn't want to be married to a boy. She wanted to be married to a man. To her, that probably meant a decision maker, an action taker, someone who wasn't afraid to stand up and say what they wanted. And I was so afraid to do that because if I did that, I might lose my marriage. I might lose my wife. She might be upset with me. And if she's upset with me, then what? Then I'll be alone and feel rejected and had all these thoughts that were really far-fetched because she wasn't thinking about that at all. She just wanted to see the real me. And so one day I decided, you know what? Okay, she wants to see the real me. I will tell her what my opinion is. That was scary. The first time I shared her my actual thought, which, you know, was negative. Like I didn't want her to do something or I didn't want to go somewhere or I didn't want that piece of... uh, furniture in the house or whatever it was. The first time I actually shared something that was honest to my heart was a huge leap of faith and it was so scary and I just knew that this was it. This is, I'm going to make her mad and this was a, a bad idea and when I did it, not only did I not get the response that I thought I was going to get, but a little piece of me felt lighter for the first time in a long time. I had never expressed my boundary or my values or anything that was important to me because I always wanted to shape my behavior 
based on what I believed that the other person wanted to see. Typical people pleaser. And when I started changing that, I started getting better results in my life. I started getting what I wanted in life. I started feeling lighter and less stressed and more loving and more loved because people around me finally got to see the real me. Even the bad parts, even the ugly parts, they got to see the real me. Not that I went crazy and psycho on them, but I actually said, no, I don't like this. Yes, I do like that. I actually said, no, I don't want to work on Saturday, even though you want me to. I would tell people what was real to me. And that changed my life. And the reason I share that is because when it comes to being around people, like I was just talking about being in a toxic relationship, if you're around someone 24-7 and it's always toxic, it might be time to enforce your boundaries and say, you know what? What you're doing is unacceptable. I will not take that behavior anymore. And you might think, what? If I do that, I know it's going to hit the fan. But what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Just be submissive to your own fear? Are you going to submit to fear for the rest of your life? Is that how you want to live? That's not how I want to live. And I'm not trying to give you a hard time. I know this is a hard, hard step, especially with some people in some circumstances. But I want you to know that it is possible and absolutely probable that you can change your life for the better by taking a big leap of faith into an abyss that you don't know where it leads except to a place that gives you power. That's a great focus. What behaviors can I do in life that give me power? Because I can almost guarantee that submitting to fear does not give you power. It does the opposite. Which is why it's vital that you understand what does give you power and move in that direction. If you don't know what power is or empowerment is yet, keep listening to the show and definitely keep an open mind so that you can step into that power, which will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.